0: You get the habit of asking questions, and that essentially becomes the habit of thinking of content or of the process of invention.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois everyone, this week we're going to switch it up a bit and play for you the audio portion of one of our IEW webinars. Because the webinar itself is over an hour, we're splitting it into two parts, but we'll post both of them this week. And we'll post any links or websites mentioned in this recording at IEW.com slash podcast. Enjoy.
0: Well, welcome. Andrew Pudewa here from our IEW headquarters in Eastern Oklahoma welcoming you to our monthly webinar on Unit 5 from Teaching, Writing, Structure, and Style. Good to see people from uh, all over the, the continent. Sometimes we even get people from overseas. It's a good opportunity for us to take a little bit of time here. and. If you happen to have your Teaching, Writing, Structure, and Style seminar workbook handy, you might like to pull that out. We are going over Unit 5, which in the first edition was on pages 47 to 52 and also 11 to 13 in the Tips and Tricks. Hopefully, most of you, or perhaps all of you, have upgraded or actually began with the second edition, Teaching, Writing, Structure, and Style much improved version over the first. Not just the uh, graphics on the cover, but actually the scope and depth of the content as well. If you have not yet got information about the new edition or the upgrade, you can click the link at the bottom of this slide and find out about the tremendous deal we're offering for people who purchased the first version and the second. It is important for me to point out to you that this webinar is designed to support people who have actually already been through our course, either live or on video. And this webinar is not meant to be an introduction or an initial presentation of Unit 5, but a review and hopefully a refinement of your understanding of that unit based on your previous If you are completely new and you stumbled in here somehow, don't feel like you have to leave. You're still welcome, of course, to stay. But just note that I'm going to be going over some fundamental ideas very, very quickly and that if you are a little bit confused or overwhelmed, that's probably an indicator you need to get a hold of that teaching, writing, instruction style and dig into the the core program and get it from the beginning. We do have nine units in our syllabus and we go through them over the course of the school year. Unit one and two, note making outlines. Unit two, writing from notes. This is kind of fundamental to everything that we do. And we introduce unit one and two, starting strong in September. In October, we talked about retelling narrative stories and the various things that can be done with narrative stories. In November, We talked about summarizing a reference, a single reference, and that, of course, is in preparation for where we will hit later on more research and essays. Right here in December, uh, we are with writing from pictures, and I kind of put December, January together on that just because it's such a busy month. People have so many things going on and holidays and travel. I figure if you get one good four or five weeks out of those two months, you're ahead of the game. We will do a webinar in January on style, sailing through style techniques, just to refresh and answer any questions that may come up on that end. And then in February, we'll pick up again with unit six, summarizing multiple references. Unit seven, inventive writing, we used to call creative writing, but now we term it inventive writing. And in April, we'll hit the essays, the formal essay models, and in May, we will finish up with the formal critiques. Then over the summer, June, July, and August, we usually have some special guests for our monthly webinar. So we try to keep things going, try to keep a line of support and communication for all of you who are out there working to teach this program as best you can. So we will dive right in and talk about Unit 5 tonight. Just a little overview, we'll talk about goals and materials, comparing Units 3 and 5, teaching procedure, a few tips that might help you do better with Unit 5, variations on the three-picture model, why Unit 5 is important, we'll go over a little bit of fundamental idea, some foundational principles of style that I reiterate every webinar, And of course, all through, you can ask questions, but we'll be sure to take as much time as is needed at the end to answer all those questions. What you see here on the right is the poster from our set of posters. If you are a premium subscriber to our website, you have access to a color PDF set of mini posters that you can actually print out on your printer at home or in your classroom and use those. If you teach in a classroom and you would like a nice large poster to hang on the wall, those can be purchased from our website, IEW.com. And this little mini poster is, of course, included in the margin in the upper right hand of the unit where it begins in the Teaching, Writing, Structure, and Style 2nd Edition Seminar Workbook. So. That's kind of the the thing we want to create with the children and get on the wall and help them understand how it works and keep it on the wall so we can refer to it. One of the things that I think is so useful is if we put the posters on the wall and we're able to continue to refer to those throughout the month of writing assignments. it reinforces for the children that initial presentation and helps everyone kind of internalize and then of course you revisit that year after year after year and then they get it. It's it's just part of the environment. They absorb it. So don't neglect the idea of wall charts and reminder signs and posters because they are very powerful and effective. In Unit 5 we're trying to uh, help students write three paragraph what we would call event descriptions from a series of pictures. We say event description to differentiate that from unit three, which is also three paragraphs, but it's more of a narrative, whereas this one is more of a series of events. We want to reinforce the topic clincher idea that we talked about in unit four, so we'll keep going with that topic clincher rule. And of course, Pictures are an opportunity for students to be imaginative and exercise their creative muscle a little bit. The pictures don't say much, and so the students have to really come up with all of the nuance, the characterization, the motives, the, the behind the scenes, the what are people thinking. And our task as the teacher is to help the students learn to do that more easily with each progressive assignment. And we can also take this one more step and uh, show how you can actually write three paragraphs from only two pictures or actually you could write three paragraphs from only one picture. And that works quite well but I wouldn't start there. I I would go there with students only after they had two or or three chances to practice the basic three-picture plan, especially if they're on the younger side. And we can talk in this unit about past participle verb forms. We don't have to do this, but it is an opportunity where the grammar fits the, you know, grammar fits the teaching opportunity, per se. So we don't want to miss the opportunity to do that. Again, I mentioned Unit 5 posters. You're going to need some pictures. We do have a little PDF file that is in your premium subscription to the website called Pictures for Writing. I think we're going to be uh, updating that in the next year's content. But these pictures are just single black and white line drawings, very simple not detailed or complicated and in a way that's good in a way the simpler the better because then the student needs more imagination although you can also use pictures from children's storybooks comics i've done some very interesting classes using norman rockwell pictures which sometimes do have a series of of two or three sometimes it's a single picture you can even have students draw their own pictures Kelly asked a good question here, which is, do you think using pictures from actual historical events limits the student's creativity? My answer, Kelly, would be no, as long as you don't come down on them too hard for changing things up. If you're going to be allergic to them changing things, and you want them to stick with history and be very precise and not add things that you don't know about what happened, then what you might find is they, they're okay with it, but you're not. That would be my tendency is, you know, you give them a great picture of George Washington crossing the Delaware, and someone writes a story of Gonzo Bong in the boat race Uh, across the Mediterranean." And you're just like, no, that is not okay to destroy that picture with a completely different narrative. That would be my response. A more open-minded, gentle, faithful teacher who follows Webster's edict better than I do, which is hands-on structure and style, hands-off content, might be okay with that. So. I would say the problem is likely to be more on, are you gonna be okay with what they do rather than will that picture limit their creativity? But I do think pictures can fit into history nicely, especially if they've studied that period of history or the events being portrayed. However, you know, especially if you're teaching a class, I can guarantee you're gonna have one or two kids that are going to want to take that picture and just warp it into a completely different universe. So just kind of be prepared for that to happen and be okay with it. If you don't, if you if you can, if not, don't go there. I did some add some very nice results with some children's storybooks. Possibly some of you are familiar with books without words. One of the well-known books without words is a, a series of books about Carl. I think he's a a Great Dane or a, uh, yeah, I think a Great Dane, a big dog. And there's no words, but there's about 20 pictures, say, in the book. You can't, of course, use all of those pictures, but you can choose three of them, kind of maybe even at random you can. There's also, oh yes, Carl the good dog is a Rottweiler. Thank you, Kathleen, you know that. I bet you also know, the Harris Burdock Mysteries. These are single pictures, so they're not in a sequence. But oh, they're just fantastic! They've got little picture of a cart on a train track with a sail and a couple kids in it going into the distance. Uh, another one has some some nuns sitting in chairs floating through the the sky. And each of these pictures has a caption at the bottom and. Those, I think, actually have been some of the most enjoyable compositions that I've seen. And then, of course, the origin, The actually, some of you may not know this, but it's interesting. Webster actually created this unit on writing from pictures because he taught school. He was teaching fifth grade at a time when one of the greatest offenses you could have in a school was smuggling in comic books. And so he was frequently finding himself confiscating the contraband comic books. And one day he thought, well, if they like these things so much, why not let them write from them? So he cut up the comic books and pasted the pictures on sheets of paper and handed them out and said, here, you know, have at it. And that's actually the origin of it. So comics would be a round circle for us on this. But there's so many applications. Some people get a little bit confused between Units 3 and 5. Unit 3 is Retelling Stories, where you have three paragraphs, and you use different questions for each paragraph. The first paragraph is the who and the when and the where. That gives you the characters and setting. The second paragraph is the what. What do they want or need? That gives you the problem. What do they think, say, do? That develops the plot. The third paragraph is, how is this problem solved? And then, of course, why have the story? What's the message? What's the point? And so we take those questions, the big six, who, where, when, what, how, and why, and we organize them into three paragraphs. And that's unit three methodology. And it works quite well for the narrative structure. In unit five, we're, again, using event descriptions. And so we're we're using the same questions, who, what, where, why, when, how, only we're using all questions for each picture. And so that allows then a lot more flexibility. It doesn't force a narrative structure. You may get, you know, some kind of problem and resolution, but on the other hand, you may not have that that same problem and resolution, but you can still have description of the events that occur. There's a little link down there you might enjoy reading this poem by Rudyard Kipling. He wrote a poem about these six words. He called them the six, oh, six wise men, trusted servants who taught me everything I know. He goes on to say he, you know, he gives them a rest from nine to five when he's at work, but he has a little friend who... Uh, works them continuously all day and night. It's it's really quite a cute poem and I think underscores the fact that these really are our our gateway into being able to think of content. You know, so many kids, I don't know what to write. I can't think of anything. We'll start with some questions. Who's in the picture? What are they thinking? What are they saying? What are they doing? What are they feeling? Where are they going? Where did they come from? When did they get there? When are they leaving? Why are they in that picture? Uh, What are they thinking about that? How are they going to proceed into the next picture? How do they feel? And so you get the habit of asking questions and that essentially becomes the habit of thinking of content or of the process of invention. So, very important, and we have then the basic model of three pictures, three paragraphs, and we're going to, of course, do this together once with the students, if you haven't already. The topic sentence, or the first sentence represented in the outline, is going to be the central fact of the picture. What do you actually see happening in the picture? That's what you want to determine and you just put then a couple keywords and that should move into the keyword outline and get you started there. So the topic sentence becomes the keywords of the central fact of what you see in the picture. Then you use the questions listed and that's uh, why you want that chart on the wall. You want your poster of all those questions and you know when the kids say I can't think of anything you just point to the chart. Did you try that? We put the word clincher at the end of the paragraph details to remind the student to finish the paragraph with a sentence that repeats or reflects due to the keywords of the topic. We taught this in Unit 4, and so we're going to continue practicing this in Unit 5. And there's some great samples in the Teaching Writing Instruction Style Seminar Workbook that illustrate this quite clearly. So you can see how that's done and I strongly recommend that you read all the student samples before you try to teach it because it gives you, uh, you know, insight into how to coach the students. You can even, you know, read it to them or show it to them and say this is how you can fit a clincher into a Unit 5 paragraph without feeling like you're repeating it or going backwards in time or whatever. So the difference between Unit 3 and 5, there's no clinchers in Unit 3, there are in Unit 5. And you can say, okay, it's a report on pictures, so that's why we're reporting events, describing events. Then you repeat the process with more pictures, and then we have the idea of the final clincher that reflects both the topic of the last paragraph and the title. Again, the best example of this is in the Unit 5 section of the Teaching, Writing, Structure, and Style book, the Papagino. Perhaps you remember that, where the topic sentence of the last paragraph is, perspiring exhausted, Papagino strode away with a wide grin on his face. And then the last sentence is, Papagino smiled that reflects Grin, at this reducing magic as he trudged along the Calgary Trail in search of a Burger King, and trudged then reflex Strode, and reducing magic becomes then the title of the composition. So look at the samples and get the hang of the final clincher, and that final clincher is something that only pertains to unit four, five, six, and seven for compositions shorter than five paragraphs. And then if you want to, as I said earlier, you can introduce the past perfect tense. That's the past of the past and the past participle verb forms. If you're a Latin student, as I am, you would more familiarly think of this as the pluperfect tense. So, we had done something. So, I came here at five o'clock. Before that, I had been at my friend's house. There, I blah, 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 blah. And again, you'll see samples of this in some of the Unit 5 student samples. One teacher suggested this idea of having students kind of put themselves into different circumstances to kind of underscore the idea of event description. And I kind of like this. It's not something you would have to do, but it's kind of a refinement or an expansion. The idea would be a reporter coming onto the scene of, of something, or a detective who is investigating the sequence of events, or a spy, or aliens watching from a spaceship. The possibilities are endless. A child from the window of an apartment building above And so that gives you kind of a filter through which the students can project themselves in order to get the perception of events they are attempting to describe. So that's just a kind of side idea, but not a bad one. Okay, Kim, it looks like you are asking about abbreviations for dress-up, sentence openers, decoration, and triple. Good. Excellent. Kim, you are asking about pluperfect. Yes, that is a term that is used for Latin study. It's one of the perfect tense system, tenses. So in Latin, the six tenses are present, imperfect, future. And then you have perfect, which would be our normal past tense. You know, I loved, he loved they loved, and then you'd have pluperfect, which is actually all one word, pluperfect, and it would be, I had loved, they had loved, he had loved, and then you could also finish that system with future perfect, which is, we will have loved, they will have loved. Not used a lot, but it's nice to help understand the structure of language, which is, the reason I feel the study of Latin is so very, very valuable. In fact, it was requested that we do a podcast in the near future about why uh, Latin is so helpful for those who want to improve their both English vocabulary as well as English composition, even I would go so far as to say comprehension of English and and other languages as well. Latin is just uh, tremendously valuable
1: we do have to stop here because we're out of time for today but because we don't want to leave you hanging too long we'll go ahead and post the rest of the content later this week thanks so much for joining us if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or Stitcher or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudois and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on this educational journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.